0: Learn how at usps.com advantage. USPS Ground Advantage, simple, affordable, reliable. This
1: is Optimal Finance Daily, episode 29, How I Became Financially Independent in Five Years, part two by Jacob Lund Fisker of earlyretirementextreme.com. Get ready to maximize your potential with Optimal Finance Daily, the podcast that brings you the best content in personal finance five days a week. Your optimal life awaits. Now here's your host, Dan Warren. Hi everyone, thanks for downloading another installment of Optimal Finance Daily, where I read to you from some of the best personal finance blogs on the interwebs. Hope the first full week in April is treating everybody well. And today I've got part two of our trilogy, if you will, from Jacob Lund Fisker of Early Retirement Extreme dot com. It's his story about how he became financially independent and retired at age thirty three. And he did it all in uh, just five years. As I mentioned yesterday, this is a little bit different where we're reading three posts in a row from one author, read the first part yesterday, second part today, and the third part tomorrow. So if you're just jumping in today, make sure you check out yesterday's installment. That's episode 28. So you get the full story. But if you already heard it, perfect. You're in the right place. So let's get this thing going and start optimizing your life. How I Became Financially Independent in Five Years, Part Two, by Jacob Lund Fisker of EarlyRetirementExtreme.com. One thing I noticed early on was that small expenditures could quickly add up. $100 there, $50 there, $5 every day for a month. In the months where I bought very little, my savings seemed to go up very fast. If I spent more, my savings would go up less. It isn't rocket science that sweating the small stuff is important. Therefore, I canceled my radio subscription and eventually my gym membership. Of course, it goes without saying that I did not have a TV. I did have a cheap internet connection, though. I stopped shopping for clothes outside of thrift stores. I also changed my diet into what was basically two different types of meals for dinner, which I could cook up about a six-day supply of in 30 minutes, lentil soup and tuna salad. For breakfast, I had oatmeal with water, seeds, and raisins, and for lunch, I ate a couple bananas. Maybe once a week I would buy more interesting things. Spices are my friends. Of course, when I went home to visit, eating different food was quite a joy, but it is not that difficult to eat the same kind of healthy food day after day. It only takes a little getting used to. A large part of the world eats nothing but rice, and while it is hard in the beginning, one quickly gets used to thinking of food as fuel for the body rather than snacking entertainment. Now, you don't need to eat this boring. This strategy was mainly due to me being in grad school and not wanting to spend very much time cooking. Many grad students rely on ramen and pizza because of the time pressure. In comparison, my diet was better than average. One year, I believe I only bought three new books. My savings rate of my after-tax wage income was pushing 80% that year. However, that was so boring that I vowed not to skimp on things that somehow improve me, i.e. makes me smarter or in better shape. I think that is a good rule to go by, even though it pushed the rate down to 70%. I think one can get too extreme. Today, I allow myself more frivolous expenditures thanks to my substantial passive income. We even have cable now. Still, my savings rate on my after-tax wage income is around 40%, which my passive income bumps up to almost 80%. The main reason for that is that since I think a lot about my purchases, I simply don't need to spend a lot of money to be comfortable. Financial independence is only one form of independence. I was interested in other forms of independence as well. After all, what do you do if people won't take your money or your money becomes worthless or you lose it all? Therefore, I experimented with simplified cooking, raw eating, solar ovens, and growing my own vegetables. Not a success. I also tried to make things last longer. I mended socks, repaired electronics, etc. Most of the times I found that I could do without something or jerry-rig a simpler solution without heading down to the store. It may seem like a trivial example, but rather than buying an energy-saving gadget, I simply got used to switching things off manually when I didn't use them. Simple to understand, but the difference in attitude is huge and results follow when this attitude is taken to other levels as well. For instance, how would I deal with 90 degree heat? I could buy an AC unit, buy a fan, or I could simply learn how to sweat. Sweating may sound uncomfortable, but after a while, the body adapts and the heat is no longer an issue. It's only when you live in an air-conditioned society that you never get a chance to adapt, always being subjected to the bad effects of going between hot and cool, and consequently adopt the preconception that it's impossible to live without AC. Well, people managed to live without AC less than 100 years ago. The same goes for heating. Even though the heating was included in the rent where I lived, I experimented one winter with whether I could do without heating in a temperate climate. This meant long underwear and sleeping in a thick bathrobe under a sheet, a fleece blanket, and a sleeping bag, but I managed just fine. Today, I'm comfortable in a t-shirt down to 65 degrees Fahrenheit, relying on a larger-than-average metabolism from a vigorous exercise plan. This, in turn, means that I can eat well and maintain a single-digit body fat percentage. It all fits together. I began simplifying my lifestyle, trying to rely more on skills and adaptation to the environment rather than on tools, think money. I have researched this with a fairly open mind. I have looked into car living or boat living, places where every cubic inch of space counts, to get ideas for how to maximize my use of space and thus minimize my need for space. I know a thing or two about homesteading from research in how to be creative in making solutions from scratch. I know how to make soap from scratch, though it's easier to buy, and what common household items to substitute for shampoo or toothpaste. I even know how to make baking soda. I can cook with almost no heat and very few utensils. There is, of course, a lot of actionable details to this story, but in trying to convey the idea to other people, the biggest obstacle has generally been the frame of mind rather than things to do. We have become so used to heading down to the store and thinking that we need everything we can buy there. It is a lot easier to learn techniques than it is to change one's entire belief system of how the world hangs together. The end result of all this was to make everything I truly needed to live well, fit into a couple of large suitcases, and reduce my expenditures to what is considered somewhat below the poverty level while maintaining a comfortable lifestyle. In terms of quality, I live somewhat above the ordinary consumer class standard of living since I own more luxury items, but in terms of quantity, my lifestyle is quite a bit below. When I finally got my PhD, I had no student debt. Furthermore, I had saved enough of my grants and paychecks to actually make up half of my current net worth. After finishing my PhD, I became an academic researcher and was now making about as much as a state trooper or a long-haul trucker. As I have hinted in earlier posts, I did not become financially independent by having a six-figure income, far from it. Rather, it was through creative ways of increasing my savings by being increasingly more independent of the general economy. Quite an adventure. I think it has been argued before whether a college education is really worth it. My answer is that it depends. It depends. A college education is certainly not a magic bullet to financial success. Monetarily, a college education and a tradable skill are probably equally valuable since going without a college education means earning money sooner and not accruing any student debts. What is important is money handling skills, not income. On the other hand, although I could have had a much higher income by not getting a PhD, entering grad school is almost financial suicide, and choosing engineering or accounting rather than science, that's as specific as I'm going to get, I did not think of expected income or even employability when I picked my major. However, unlike the higher income educations, my particular major has allowed me to visit more than 10 countries for conferences and workshops without paying a dime out of my own pocket, publish many articles and part of a book, as well as advise on million-dollar projects and thus have some influence in the scientific world. Having a blue-collar job would probably not have been as intellectually satisfying to me, but that's just me. For those who have their heads and hands screwed on right, spending up to 10 years in the educational system just to learn how to research arcane details that are interesting to maybe only five or 10 people in the world probably sounds crazy as well, whereas building a beautiful house is a great accomplishment. To be continued. You just listened to the post titled How I Became Financially Independent in Five Years, part two by Jacob Lund Fisker of earlyretirementextreme.com.
0: If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, I've got some bad news. Mint is shutting down. But now for the good news. There's a better alternative. Our sponsor, Monarch Money. Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it. Maybe you're saving for a down payment, a wedding, a dream vacation, your kid's college. USPS Ground Advantage, simple, affordable, reliable.
1: And again, this is three episodes in a row as a special thank you to Jacob for becoming the newest author to join the Optimal Finance Daily and Optimal Living Daily family. Tomorrow, I'll read the third part of this story, but to hear the fourth and final post, you will have to visit his site, which again is earlyretirementextreme.com. And one thing that Jacob mentioned in this post was how small expenditures added up. You can get in the habit of noticing this if you do a simple challenge, and that is to track your expenses for a week, just one week, everything you spend, all of it, and even better if you can track it for a month or longer. Justin from Optimal Living Daily has actually created an automated Excel spreadsheet to help you with that, and you can get it for free. All you have to do is join our weekly newsletter at oldpodcast.com. You can also join by texting the word financial to the number four four two two two. So. Come on by, get your spreadsheet, and you can start your journey toward financial independence and early retirement. That's episode 29. I'll be back here for the Friday show where I'll read to you part three of Jacob Lund Fisker's story. I'll see you tomorrow where your optimal life awaits. Hello, Life Optimizer. This is Justin Mollick, creator and producer of this podcast, but also Optimal Living Daily, the show where I read to you from even more blogs covering finance,